we've seen a shift from the check-in experience or the arrival experience being about checking in a reservation to now it becoming checking in a guest. So what is the difference? Checking a reservation, Adam's coming in for two nights. I need to give him a key. Maybe he needs to show me his ID, his passport that, you know, from three feet away behind the desk, I can't even see, but I'm checking that box where it's ID. <laughs> Off he goes. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. Before we get going on this episode, if you find this show and content provides value to you, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a rating and a review on your podcast app. And if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Both really do help the show get found by new listeners, and we're all about getting more people in on the conversations we're having here. So with that, my guest today is Tanya Pratt. She's Vice President in Oracle Hospitality and leads the Opera Cloud Strategy and Product Management Teams. Prior to joining Oracle Hospitality, Tanya spent over 20 years at Fairmont Hotels and Resorts in hotel operations, revenue management, distribution, and CRM. This is actually my second episode with Tanya. Way back on episode 36, we discussed an Oracle study looking at the hotel industry's path to recovery in light of the early days of the pandemic. Oracle has followed this up with a new study looking at how technology is changing the hospitality industry, how customer expectations have shifted, and how organizations are responding. Tanya shares important insights into this study and how industry leaders are reacting to circumstances they may have little control over. I really enjoyed this conversation with Tanya, and I think we did a good job of digging beyond the typical talking points to bring this report to life with real examples that show meaning behind the findings. So let's get to it. This is episode 102 of the Proven Principles podcast, Tanya Pratt on comfort, control, and convenience in hotel technology. Enjoy. Tanya, welcome back to the show. I haven't said that to, I think, anybody. You might be the first second timer on the show. So welcome back. Oh my God, I I'm the first sequel? I think you're the first sequel. Yeah, highly demanded sequel. <laughs> now I'm even more pumped up about today. I've been looking forward to it for so long. And now that I know that we're like a franchise, this feels even better. This is, could you call it a series when you get more than one episode? You might we be could. able to. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. could. This yeah, is, sure. uh, I'm glad, I'm really glad to, to welcome you back. It's great to have Oracle back on the show. Um, if anybody wants to go back and listen to our first episode, that was number 36. So that's deep in the catalog. And I think this is going to be 102 or 103. So, um, so yeah, this is, this is, this is big and you guys have a new report out. We do. And first of all, can I just say congratulations? A hundred plus episodes. That's amazing. I'm sure this started off like, you know, a labor of love like these things are and to carry it through into, you know, triple digits and number of, of episodes. That's amazing. And always to keep it fresh and exciting and, you know, make your guests feel like they're the first guest you ever had with that much enthusiasm and energy is amazing. So I want to say congrats on that. I appreciate that. Thank, thank you for saying it. Yeah, it's it's really surprising that it's this deep, this many episodes now. I I can't believe it. Um, and every, I, literally every conversation, I learn something. Uh, even though the topic, you know, it tends to you know, we kind of stick in the hospitality space. There's just obviously it's a big space, but there's so much been going on in the last two years that there's just a lot to talk about. So it's yeah. it's definitely I mean, helped. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, so show. I appreciate you saying that. Um, so twenty. Uh, uh, this, so this new report, uh, hospitality in twenty twenty five, automated, intelligent, yeah. and more personal. Uh, I have been really trying to think about how I wanted to uh, tackle this episode with you because this subject is something I have been trying to get my head around now for a little while. And I know, you know, our mutual background with Fairmont, um, uh, you know, being on the ground in high-end hotels, always trying to figure out how to deliver more personal service. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to be honest, I don't really know that anybody understands what that really means. I think it's it's an easy thing to say, but it's a very hard thing to do. Like what needs to be more personalized? Is it like somebody likes Diet Cokes in their room? So you just give them Diet Cokes in their room or is it is it more than that? So I've been wrestling with this question about how do you deliver high-end service in what's becoming a more self-directed environment? And that self-directed environment from a guest perspective is largely uh, because staffing has completely changed and because there's a lot more automation yeah. tools coming in to the space, right? So I've been, I've just, I've had this sort of big question that I've been trying to figure out, how do you work with this now on the ground? And so I love that you guys put this report together because um, mm-hmm. I think it tackles exactly what that big question is. So maybe what I'll do is if I could just turn it over to you to just give us like a, your perspective, 30,000 foot, what were you trying to get out in this report and what do you want people to take away from it? Then maybe we dive into some of the particulars. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we came pretty close to defining the answer to that question, but in the end, the definition should be whatever the guest wants it to be. And even for the same guest, I bet their definition changes based on purpose of trip, the kind of flight that they had, you know what I mean? What, what the getting to the hotel experience has been like, and just all the other things that are going on in their lives, right? Because if we even think of ourselves as a traveler, it's true. Could I fill out a survey and say, here is what my personal experience looks like? Yes. And I can probably throw it out the window if I've had three canceled flights and, you know, six hour layover somewhere else. I I probably want people to treat me a little bit differently. So I think we all kind of have to go under that assumption and understanding that personal service is whatever the guest wants it to be. There's a couple of things that we came sort of the the realizations and the findings that came out of this survey is that there's definitely a requirement for an investment um, that will, on behalf of the hotels, that will help improve their guest satisfaction. Almost 50%, so 44.6% of the customers said um, what's imperative to them is on-demand entertainment access. I'm one of those people. I didn't fill out the survey, but I bet you it would be top of my list because at the end of the long day, All I want to do is sit on my bed and watch friends. I don't care where I am in the world. I want it to be there. And when you can't, then I put on CNN because it's like the only thing, maybe if I'm in a foreign country. (laughs) The only other constant. (laughs) The only constant. I learn about (laughs) the world when I travel. Otherwise, I don't. Mm -hmm. So that is key. And and there is a certain comfort in that. Again, purpose of travel may, may sort of change the requirements for that, but definitely on your own after a busy day, you just want some sort of sense of normalcy when you get back to your room. Uh, Over 40% of the guests said that they want voice control, so the ability to sort of continue to enhance the touchless and contactless guest experience. We saw the demand for that grow through the roof over the last 18 months. Because again, one of the ways that 
kind of the public started traveling again and what got them comfortable with traveling is feeling that they were safe. So they didn't want to go to a front desk. They didn't want to be in a busy lobby with a lot of people. They wanted to do a lot of these things on their own. Again, I'm sure you're the same. I'm the same as well. Although sometimes I want to go up to the front desk. I want to talk to a human, especially when they make me feel very special for being there. It's huge. I always say that I would be the last person to ever use a kiosk. And you know, here I am coming from the industry and working in technology. <laughs> for me, there's something about seeing a smile across the desk and having them welcome you to your properties that just cannot be replaced. But again, going back to treat the guests the way that they want to be treated, it means that we need to offer choice and that contactless touchless experience was huge. Over 34% of uh, people that filled out the survey said that they want to be able to use their own device for hotel access. This is huge. Again, I don't want to touch anything in the room. I want to be able to check in, maybe even order, you know, room service, maybe even control the TV all with my own mobile device. That is key. And then 25%, they said they wanted automated comfort controls. So not having to search the wall, the floor, you know, where you're going to kind of increase the, the air conditioning in the room. They wanted something more automated, something that hmm. is both sort of comfortable to be in, but also that helps the environment so that all these controls are not on when the guest is outside of the room, that it's something that kind of turns on when they're room. So sustainability mm -hmm. uh, is very, very important to the traveling public, I would say more so now than ever has been before. So those have sort of been some of the kind of key findings for us is that the customers want it to stay their way. And then there's some of the things that are must haves that the hotels really need to think about and invest in. Yeah, that is, um, I mean, the, yeah, the four main areas that touched on, right? Guest facing technology, which, you know, obviously, but, you know, I do want to dive into this because I, I, I want to get your, your yeah. thought on a couple of things, um, yeah. labor and operations, automation and guest data, ancillary upgrades and non-room revenue. So kind of the four big buckets, right. That, that you were trying to address. Absolutely. So maybe just kind of stepping through each one of these here, this guest facing technology piece, um, you said it, there's going to be things that, that hotels and hotel companies need to invest in, hotel owners and hotel companies need to invest in. And a lot of these, we actually talked about this on the last time you were on, investing in technology in the hospitality space is not an area of strength for many hotel operators. Not a lot of people want to be tip of the spear. Um, it's hard to find an ROI in a lot of cases. Uh, and I, I actually do believe that not, not necessarily internal culture, but maybe internal culture through the lens of brand standards can be a barrier to bringing in different types of technology, especially when you're talking about autom uh, automation and removing the employee from the guest interaction. So like, how does, how does a company maintain its, its, uh, it, its voice to the customer when there's no employee there delivering the voice. So I do think that that's maybe sort of an intangible barrier to this. Um, but when it comes to some of this guest facing technology, I guess the, the big question is, you know, how do you go about finding the, getting the thing that is going to make the biggest impact that your guest is going to, I guess, feel that there's value in rather than just having the next shiny object that seems cool, but is impractical. And were there any learnings kind of 
in that sense that came out of this this survey. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the shiny new toy can be very, very uh, alluring, but it's also fleeting because there's always going to be something else around the corner and you can never keep up. And we often used to say that the technology that we could have in a hotel is probably a few years behind to what the guests brought with them. Because they could always get, <laughs> if they're an early adopter, they could always get kind of something new, whereas on property, it obviously uh, requires a lot of investment. But the one thing that is definitely evident is that the expectations have shifted and the traveling or the traveling public, the travelers require faster, better and safer service at every turn. One of the things that we found as well is that if we make the experience for the employee better, they will ultimately make the experience better for the hotel. So sometimes that technology investment is about improving the employee experience, the colleague experience, associate experience, whatever the uh, the kind of the, the organization wants to call themselves, they will in turn make the guest experience better. And that is where we're seeing the investments made by the customers. Technologies that improve the employee experience, frees them up for, from doing you know, highly repeatable manual tasks and gives them more time to spend with the guest because the guests themselves may, yes, expect certain technologies as well, but in the end, they expect the best experience. And sometimes that best experience means engaging with somebody on property face-to-face. So that is sort of the investments that we've seen kind of twofold, both the technology that are guest-facing and optimizing that experience for them. But I would say even more so, it's investing in the technologies that improve the employee experience so they can then spend more time with the guests. That's a really interesting point. Um, and actually one that's surprisingly come up a couple of times recently where this may be an, an unintended recruiting and retention piece of the conversation where having the right technology that is easy to use, that is portable across you know, devices, that's you know easy to train, that has high uptime, it's intuitive, good graphical, you know, GUI, all of these things. Uh, I could see a scenario where having having all of the right tools in place, but the wrong execution of, but but also the wrong tools. And it's not execution. It's like you have all the you have all the the right ideas, but you got you've got the wrong stuff. Could mm-hmm. be something that might drive employees away. Uh, and it, you know, I'm wondering now, kind of, you know, since you brought it up, are there are there anything? Is there anything um, from a guest or sorry, from an employee tool perspective? specifically that maybe we should be looking at here? Because I, I imagine it's going above and beyond things like, you know, timekeeping and maybe internal learning management systems. And, you know, it's, you know yeah. wh- where are we thinking that this employee technology discussion should go? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one thing it needs to be is easy to learn. So easy to onboard new team members because long gone are the days of hiring somebody and keeping them in a classroom for two weeks while you teach them everything that they need to know about the hotel and about the technologies that they need to use. You know, we've heard stories recently of new employees being hired via text message, literally showing up to to shift, here's the lunchroom, here's where you punch the clock, by the way, welcome to front desk. 
So any sort of technology that's put in front of them, it needs to be super easy to use and really, really intuitive because there may not even be somebody there to actually train them, right? Not even kind of over the shoulder training. That is huge. The second one is make it easy to find information. So we've seen a shift from the check-in experience or the arrival experience being about checking in a reservation to now it becoming checking in a guest. So what is the difference? Checking a reservation, Adam's coming in for two nights. I need to give him a key. Maybe he needs to show me his ID, his passport that, you know, from three feet away behind the desk, I can't even see, but I'm checking that box where it's ID. <laughs> Off he goes. Now that arrival experience, it's much more about getting to know who Adam is. So for that, we need to make sure that the application efficiently and effectively displays everything that that front desk team member needs to know about Adam. So they can say, I see you're staying for two nights. They can say, I see you're traveling with a couple of people or you work for this company or you've stayed with us before or, you know, are you in the city for the first time? So that level of conversation and engagement can only be done if everything that the front desk team member needs to know about Adam is there easy and simple for them to use. If they need to open up multiple applications and look for that information, it means they're going to try really hard to do it, but they may not be able to do it all the time. And then the third thing that yeah, we're seeing- and that's, Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, but that you just bring up a really good point about personalization is sometimes just letting the guest know that you know about them. Just, it's not about putting their name on a bunch of tchotchke in the room, right? It's just like, I see you and I know, I just, I know the basics about why you're here and what you're doing. That makes a huge difference. So anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut it. But no, that's okay. See, I yeah. knew that we were going to be just having a conversation and things, our agenda was going to go out the window, but I think- <laughs> Informal. For, uh, for best conversations like that, that we can kind of bring in some of this research which we conducted and, and kind of shows us some of those facts and figures. But we also know the reality of what's happening out the, in the industry. And this is the real life, you know, real time feedback that we're getting from our customers and the experience that they're having kind of with our technology. The third thing that I would say is it very much needs to be something that can be used anywhere. So device agnostic, browser agnostic, don't make, you know, don't force the person to stand behind a front desk for eight hours. Maybe that's what they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe they need to greet a guest in a restaurant and check them in from there. Maybe the guest feels more comfortable being checked in in the comfort of their guest room. Whatever that sort of looks like, if we have technology that tethers somebody to the front desk, it means everybody needs to come to them versus them going to the guest. So those are sort of the things that we're seeing and hearing from our customers is, Make it easy to use or learn. Make it easy to find information. Make it intuitive. Give me some tips, you know, guided learning through the application so that anybody that may have forgotten how to use something, that they can very easily get to the bottom of it, not have to spend a lot of time kind of digging out information. And then the last one being is allow them to work from anywhere, right? A, a, a technology that supports a sales user hopefully doesn't force them to sit in an office because then they're not a really good salesperson. They should be out there interacting with the customers. So how can we put all the information that they need in order to have those you know, good conversations and build those relationships with their customers unless we kind of put them in a, in a way that they can access it anywhere? You, you brought up the training piece and I just have to say this. Uh, you know, it brought back this image of when I started my very first front desk job was at the, uh, the Empress, the Fairmont Empress. Oh, I love that hotel. Oh, it's one of my favorites. 
It's a great hotel. Yeah. Uh, and they, they, we were, the hotel was using Landmark as the, oh, the yeah. property management system at the time. So this is how, this is how far back that's gone. Oh, Adam. And yeah. uh, I had, yeah, I had two, what was it? I think it was two weeks of training uh, with a trainer uh, away from the front desk in, you know, the executive offices downstairs. There was a whole training area set up. Uh, and not only me, but the trainer was off the desk too, because they were a full-time front desk agent. And so, you know, you've got 16 hours a day for, for two weeks of just learning the ins and outs of this program. And there's a huge binder and there's, you know, an internal tra- And, you know, I, I kind of, I sort of think about my experience in operations all the way through up until a couple of years ago. And it was basically variations of that experience back in the, in the nineties in the mid nineties, uh, all the way through up until a couple of years ago. And it's just, it's kind of strikes me right now that we're finally like having these, these discussions and tools are starting to get developed on how to make that process easier. Cause it's, you know, you're trying to accomplish a couple of things in training. Obviously they need to learn how to use the tool in a, in a, in a, a functional way. It doesn't have to be intuitive yet, but in a functional way, but you're also imparting culture, you're imparting voice, you're imparting a lot of belonging in this. And it makes me wonder if, if the simplification of that training process, I, cause I, I did gain a lot from it. If the simplification of that process can achieve the same outcomes, or if you kind of have to be buried neck deep in onboarding to get the, it's a very clumsy question, but to kind of get the benefits of getting indoctrinated into a company's way of doing things. Yeah. I I don't know the answer to that. It just kind of strikes me right now. I know exactly what you're getting at. And the training process that you went through is the exact same one that I got as well at the very first hotel that I worked at here in Toronto. So it was, it was almost like half of it was technology or maybe even more the rest of it was process. And I think there's a, there's a way to do both. So maybe the fingers on the keyboard, the technology piece of it is done in a couple of hours because you don't actually have to like teach them about every single workflow and go very deep into the application. It's easy for them to learn. It's very intuitive. And then the rest of the time for those brands that choose so or those hotels that choose so is spent on the soft skills, right? It's spent on kind of educating them on the essence of the brand, so to speak. So when they step out there for their very first job and face that very first hotel, they know how to deliver on the promise of the brand. And that is difficult to get out of a book, right? And that is difficult to get for everybody, right? Which is why not everybody sort of always survives on the front desk for a long period of time, because the first time somebody yells at you for, and even though it wasn't, it was not your fault, you're like, wow, where's the binder for that? So I think very much you sort of get to the point where it's like, I've gotten my team members to 50% or maybe 60%. And then I empower them to make the decisions on the rest so that they know how to use mm-hmm. the tools that are available to them. And then you give them the know-how to how to react in certain situations and be able to adjust accordingly, no matter what the guest request is. Otherwise, 
you know, sometimes training can almost go a little bit too far. If it's too scripted, then I think team members don't know how to adjust when now somebody throws them a bit of a curveball. It's like, oh, I, I, I wasn't trained on how to answer this question. So that's why I always, you know, fundamentally believe is that you hire the people that you trust and then you trust the people that you hire, no matter what level they're at. And that means frontline team members who are typically the very first person that a guest encounters. But we live and die by what they can deliver in the end from an industry perspective for those that kind of interact with them. So you kind of give them the right tools. You give them the uh, understanding of how those tools operate. And then you give them those soft skills so they can deliver on that brand promise. That is a really great point. The tool should almost fade into the background. The tool is almost secondary. And the, the way that you do it is that you spend more time training. This is why we do the things that we do, not how we do the things that we do. Absolutely. That's a great point. I want to talk a little bit about the labor piece in the survey here. Recruiting, retention, getting people into the industry, getting people back into the industry, obviously a problem everybody's dealing with in, to varying degrees. And we're even starting to see new stories now about now that leisure is falling off as it, as it always does this time of year, right? Like right after Labor Day, you know, we're starting to see some reports about layoffs coming back and it's, it's just still such a really tough, tough market. Were there any insights that came out of this survey here around staff, the staffing model in hotels, the traditional you all know it. It's, you know, seven to three, three to 11, 11 to seven, seven days a week. You, maybe you have a mid shift thrown in here, here and there. That I, That's got to be kind of getting turned on its head now. And nobody's trying to push the model here, push the boundaries. It's just because that change is getting forced on hotels because of the market. Can you give a sense of what some of the takeaways were? Yeah, definitely. So for sure, the staffing models have changed and we've seen a couple of things. People that have been in the industry for a really long period of time, have left and are never coming back because they're like, I can't handle the stress anymore. It's been up and down over the last 20 years. And now it's on, now it's off, especially over the last two years. So a lot of the team members that are coming in are younger, very different expectations, right? I think we're seeing it everywhere, which is like, I'm only doing this job for six months, then my promotion's coming after that. Right. That, that's kind of how the expectation, I think, is of the new labor force around something like that. So recruiting talent and then keeping it has been very, very difficult because the turnover itself has been that much more significant. I think the last stat I read is that 25 percent of all new hires end up leaving within the first three months, because I think, again, we kind of throw them into a job and say, by the way, go smile with your eyes while you're you know, trying to check somebody in and they're yelling at you because their flight was delayed and all of that. So the way that the industry is sort of dealing with that, which is what we heard from the executives that we survey, over 50% of that said, is that that is why they're so sort of focused on mobile technologies and trying to make up for some of those deficiencies and labor shortages, is that if they make the mobile experience better for the guests, it will increase adoption. It means fewer people coming to the front desk. It means I don't have to staff the front desk as much as I did before. So that investment is, one, is guests is saying, yes, I want it. Two, is out of necessity, is just to improve the experience and, and sort of being able to refocus people to a different area or a different way of uh, for an arrival experience versus them kind of have to come to you. 
Uh, the second part is I would say, I sort of mentioned the contactless. So over almost 40% said that they're investing in kind of those contactless technologies for that. All again, just around making it easier for a customer to adopt, less frustrating because there's nothing worse than going through a digital check-in and then having it fail. I think it's even worse than not offering it at all. So that has been huge. And then uh, we had, I think, th over 30% of respondents say that they're looking for automated messaging. So again, something almost like a chatbot feature so they can offer the customer an instant response instead of having to staff people uh, it's switchboard or something like that. I think those rules still exist, but anything that's sort of going to make the experience a little bit more seamless for the guests. So I would say labor is probably the most analyzed area within the industry right now and trying to figure out ways to first attract talent, then retain it, right? And retain it beyond just six months or a year because that constant churn is just making things that much more unsettling. And it obviously costs new money, it costs more money to onboard new team members. You know, I think that if you're going to bring in a lot of these solutions here, if, I'm th putting my operator hat on now. Um, if you're going to spend a lot of time and money and energy finding the right tool, bringing this into your organization, and you don't have a tight operation, meaning there's holes where things can fall through the cracks, that, that there's... Uh, uh, people don't know how to use a tool, that there's issues that kind of pop up through your workflows, whatever the things are that might pop up. If your front desk turns into a place that ends up just being uh, number one, maybe a tech help center because, because the tool has failed, but also all you end up doing is putting people to the front desk that have a problem where you're just re further reducing the number of happy interactions that the staff has and they just become a complaint center, you really are doing yourself a disservice. And there's not, this is really kind of more of a PSA than there is a question here. But I, I do think that it has to just be sort of part of the thought process that like, it goes back to one of the first points we made that this isn't just about adopting the technology. You really got to think about like, how is this going to impact the day-to-day? -day? How are we going to eliminate problems, not just create new ones? And I don't know that that conversation is really happening at the level that it needs to. You are 100% spot on. And that is where, to me, when you've set the expectation and under delivered, it's worse than if you never offered it in the, in the first place. The last few stays that I had at various different hotels, again, received notification that I can get digital key, go through everything, still waiting for my digital key three days after I've arrived and gone to the front desk and got my actual key. So I'm like, okay. And, but that is kind of where the friction comes in. And you're right. Now you're sending that guest to the front desk or customer service, concierge, whatever. You have team members that are new, not quite yet able to adapt to some of these situations and when they're being confronted with the guest that doesn't, is not having an ideal experience, it can be difficult to take. And then you question yourself, you're like, is this really worth it? I can like go work in an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just have to make sure that, yeah, that I honestly. do my job. But that is, you know, that essence of kind of hospitality ends up being lost 
because team members are put in a situation where they can't solve the guest problem. And I think a lot of us that have that, I would say hospitality gene, it's all about the service, right? And it's all about just making somebody's experience as wonderful as it can possibly be. And when you're consistently failing at it, you ask yourself, is it really worth it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Which, you know, I guess would going to be an interesting segue into talking about you know, one of the last points here I want to dive into is about data and, you know, failure points is within the operation is a data point that needs to get, you, you got to dive into if you're, you know, any operator worth their salt is going to figure out, you know, what the problems are and how to fix them, why they're, why they're happening and, and whatnot. Um, and you, you alluded to this earlier that labor is probably one of the data points that has been analyzed, uh, and continues to be analyzed the most. It gets the biggest focus and pro- and maybe rightfully so because it's one of your biggest line items in your PL. Yeah. So obviously you got to have, you know, really good tight labor models. Yeah. Are there any other relevant data points that have started to to come out that could provide um value from a business perspective? Not just a vanity yeah. metric that, you know, if you're doing well on it, you pat yourself on the back. And if you don't do well on it, you're like, well, that's not that important anyway. Yeah. Has, did anything come out of this, this uh, survey that would point to that? Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things that we saw, and we probably saw this starting to happen. How long has it been since the pandemic? Two and a half years? I don't know. It feels like a blur. Probably about two years ago. Yeah. So this that. is when, yeah. when guests staying in hotels sort of ceased. Right. We didn't see the room nights come in, but the hotel still needed to stay open. And so they needed to find new ways to generate revenue. And that is where sort of the rise of, again, not very new for a lot of hotels, but for somebody was new. Right. The rise of non room revenue and getting local traffic, people that were not staying in your guest room, but could utilize the services, amenities, food and beverage. So almost 50 percent of the executives that we survey believe the non-room revenue will represent an increasing share of hotels' annual revenue over the next three years. And the focus will be truly on maximizing revenue per square foot of the property versus revenue per guest room, which is one of the kind of the traditional metrics that we had. So new and innovative ways in how they can kind of generate that revenue. And almost 40% also believe that up to close to 25% of their hospitality business will come from non-revenue in the next three years. So that is significant, right? For some sort of unfound revenue from before. So we're looking sort of forward to seeing how we can help support our customers in that endeavor as well. The other thing that we're seeing, and we're doing this ourselves because, you know, the, the labor shortage, having to provide almost better service with fewer employees, we're looking for ways how automation and artificial intelligence can enable hotels to provide more to their guests. So whether it's before their stay or during their stay or after their guests. So almost 50% of the travelers are interested in staying in a hotel that have some level of automation, right? Either something self-serve or something that employee gets. And that is something that we are kind of considering key and are working on ourselves. So example would be, you know, think about even your hotel days. How many manual, highly repeatable processes existed? Oh, I need to go sign a room. I have 100 reservations coming in and I'm going through every single one of them manually and I'm signing the right room. 
So knowing that that was happening, knowing that, I don't know, it takes somebody a couple of hours to do that by the time that they review the reservation and review the profile, it could take them a few hours to do that. We're like, let's see how we can automate that. So we used AI and automation to have AI room assignment that will go the night before, look for things on the reservation, on the profile, and assign the right room. And that will that was really, really, I would say, uh, met with a lot of enthusiasm by the customers. They're like, oh my God, you freed me up. And that's a hundred room hotel. Imagine you're a thousand room hotel. It's probably an eight hour shift for somebody, which now if they no longer have to do that, they can, oh, they can sort of focus on something else. And we're now literally combing through with the help of our customers, what is sort of the next thing? What are some of those others, as I said, manual, highly repeatable tasks that we can automate that a team member does not have to do it, that it frees them up so they can spend more time with the guests, which is really kind of what, what they want and what's the most exciting thing about hospitality, right? It's that kind of inter exchange that they can have with, uh, with the guests and making their experience better. So that's sort of the things that we are seeing is that how do I increase the total revenue of my hotel by looking to non-traditional revenue streams, I would say, kind of non-guest room, and two, how can I free up my staff from doing these manual tasks and be able to spend more time with the guests. And maybe support some of those non-traditional revenue exactly. streams at yeah. the same time. Yeah, you're sort of re-diverting resources. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, last question before we wrap here. Um, the survey was very comprehensive and I'm, I'm gonna link to it in the show notes here if anybody wants to look at it because I, I think it, I mean, there's there's a lot of, really good meat in here to dive into. I think that's going to be helpful to many in the industry. Uh, but is there anything that we're, from your perspective that maybe we're not talking about yet that, or maybe that's come out since the survey was completed and compiled and, and everything's out there. Are you seeing anything they're like, oh, that's, hmm, we thought this, but this is happening. Or like, huh, we really maybe want to have our eye on this for maybe the uh, the next survey that talks about technology by 2030. Yeah, I bet that we can probably do this survey every six months and something new would come out and things will change. And I think now with the public starting to travel again, they themselves are being reintroduced to the industry. And so the guests will tell the hotels what they need and those hotels will tell us. So there are customers, they will tell us what they need. So I've been also kind of trying to predict what we may see in 2025. I'm not sure that I know what we will see in 2023. I just know that my desire to get out there and travel, to stay in hotels, to visit new destinations, to meet new people, to experience a local culture is greater than it has been in the 30 years that I've been in this industry. Because I feel like that is what I miss the most over the last two years. And I would say 90, you know, over 90% of the travelers, again, people that we surveyed, stayed, said the exact same thing, which is, this is what I miss the most. I didn't miss the shopping so much, although I didn't miss shopping. But, you know, it wasn't so much that. It was going out there, being around other people, staying in hotels, 
having authentically local experiences, all those things that we took for granted. And so we will see the evolution of the traveler, which will ultimately create an evolution with the hotels and will create an evolution within Oracle Hospitality as well, so that it will always continue to support our customers in their business. I like that. I like that. Very well said. Um, there's, we could have done like, we could have doubled the length of this episode. So I, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you, uh, you taking some time to go through this here and just step through some really high level points. But again, if anybody wants to read this more in depth, uh, it's going to be linked in the show notes, but, uh, Tanya, if anybody wants to learn more about you or Oracle hospitality, where should they go? They can go to, for all things, Oracle hospitality, please go to oracle.com industries, hospitality. Uh, if you want to know everything about me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I pretty much kind of list out everything that I'm all about. And I, I think this podcast, people got to learn about me and also as they always learn about you and even the previous one, because I, I love this industry and I'm unabashed about talking about it and I want to see it succeed. And so I wake up uh, every day together with my team and we think of new and innovative ways and we we can support the customer. So that is what drives us. That is what motivates us. That is what keeps us going every day. Appreciate it. Yeah. I, I encourage everyone to, to, you know, reach out to you. And I mean, you're a wealth of knowledge and, and I, I really appreciate your expertise coming on here for the second time. And who knows, we may have a third uh, somewhere down the line. Uh, it'd be, be really great to have you back. But uh, in any event, I'll let you get back to your busy day here. Tanya, thanks again. Thanks, Adam. This was my episode with Tanya Pratt. You can get in touch with her on LinkedIn. And to learn more about Oracle Hospitality, go to oracle.com industries hospitality. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at the Proven Principles Podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to the Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.